0: Good morning. It's the Snake River Live. It just turned into the 22nd of September. Happy fall. Could not come soon enough. Um, Farmer's Almanac says that we are going to have a, a bitter cold and a heavy snowy winter. We can only hope. Uh, first thing I'd like to do is say thank you to those that actually take the time to listen um listenership is up and um i am grateful for those who not only listen but who take the time to share it or even tell other people about it i appreciate that greatly i don't make a lot of money off of it um even though i do have the one sponsorship uh, from anchor which is the platform that i'm using um So we're going to try to not make this too long tonight, Um, however, or this morning. However, I do want to uh, make sure that I get some things covered uh, that uh, I think need to be covered here as we're starting to steamroll into the election with just a little over a month, I think 43 days uh, until the election. The first thing I wanted to cover is that Democrats seem to keep shooting themselves in the foot um, when it comes to, well, pretty much everything. Let me give you a couple examples because, uh, some people have made some comments to me, uh, whether on, on posts that I have made or, um, just in, in real life, believe it or not, actually I do talk to people though, not very often, uh, but I do do discussion boards with my school. And so I do have some give and take there as well. Um. The reason I say that the Democrats tend to shoot themselves in the foot is because where we are now, um, as far as with uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, is something that is like so many other things uh, the Democrats brought on themselves, and specifically Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, brought it on them. And many Democrats have realized that and have mentioned that this all is kind of her doing because she didn't retire when Barack Obama was the president. She didn't retire when he had a majority in the Senate. And because she didn't do that, um, trying to hang out trying to hold on. Um, I guess, you know, at at first I was, uh, I'm very dubious about her dying words being that she wanted the next president to pick her replacement, but the fact that she allowed herself uh, to die as an associate justice Uh, Rather than spending um, time, uh, remaining time uh, with her family. Uh, Maybe that's actually what she did say. I'm not sure about that, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The fact is, is, you know, when she'd had one of uh, a round of cancer earlier back when Barack Obama was the president and he had a Democrat majority in the Senate, he could have gotten... A replacement for her but this is very similar to the immigration right when when Barack Obama in 2009 and, toth- and 2010 Barack Obama had a well 2009 he had a supermajority or a, a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate and a supermajority in the House. If Barack Obama had truly wanted immigration reform, which he didn't, because they love using immigration as an issue against the Republicans, um, and vice versa, by the way, then he could have gotten immigration reform through in 2009. But they were so focused on on health care that that. Uh, they just couldn't find the time to do it in 2009. In 2010, they, they still had a majority in the Senate. Um, actually, they had the majority in the Senate through um, all the way until 2015. Um, but they lost the House starting in 2011. And so their they, their ability to move legislation, obviously, um, not to confirm judges, no. That, that was all the way up until uh, they lost the Senate. But... Um, they did some pretty poor planning, and the same goes for for uh, you know it used to be, and I've mentioned this numerous times. You know, uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg was confirmed, I think ninety six to three, or is the statistic that I actually saw, and so she was overwhelmingly confirmed. By the way, Amy Coney Barrett, who is one of the leading uh, candidates to replace her, was confirmed. Uh, not nearly that kind of a lopsided, but it was similar, like eighty-three to fifteen or something like that. It was very—I mean, it was a very lopsided number. At, at the end of the day, uh, it was bipartisan uh, uh, confirmation, a clear bipartisan confirmation, not a not a shady one. You know, not a not a where where a uh, a red state Democrat had to vote for. I mean, it was a clear bipartisan. Uh, vote. It won't be if she's the nominee, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, in 2003, the Democrats, being in the minority in the Senate, proceeded to start filibustering uh, judicial appointees. The first one was, I believe, was Miguel Estrada, who was the Solicitor General. Uh, uh, Bush, uh, W. Bush, wanted to put him in as the As uh, uh, on the D.C. Circuit. So they filibustered him. uh, Caused tremendous trauma to his family. Numerous other judges. Uh, It was the Democrats, by the way, as I mentioned just now, that that, uh, broke historical precedent. By filibustering a judicial nomination, like I said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was overwhelmingly, and she's one of the. I mean, she was she was employed by the ACLU, um, you know. And if you remember, you know, uh, Bush the first, you know, used the the term you know card carrying member of the ACLU against Michael Dukakis in '88. Uh, so, so if you think about it, you don't get much further left in American politics. I mean, in the in in mainstream politics, than somebody who actually worked for the ACLU, and yet she was overwhelmingly confirmed. Why? Because she came from the American Bar Association, fully qualified. Uh, and this is something that when the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee and the Kavanaugh hearings um, finally. Cause Lindsey Lindsey Graham Senator Graham, uh, who uh, at the time I don't believe he was the chairman. He was the ranking member, or he was the he was just a member of the committee. He blew a gasket because one, he's pretty much supported every nominee. He he mentioned that he did vote for uh, uh, Elena Kagan and uh, Sonia Sotomayor, who were both Barack Obama appointees. Um, he probably voted for. Um, Breyer and pro and others as well. And and he did, well, he wasn't in for uh, Ginsburg because he got into the Senate later. Um, so but he did. Lindsey Graham has always been on the policy when it comes to uh nominees are they qualified? American Bar Association said fully qualified, then he supported the nomination. You know, they've been through a background check. Kavanaugh had been through the same thing. Kavanaugh had a well-qualified from the American Bar Association, their highest rating. And yet he was torn apart by the Judiciary Committee Democrats with a uh, last-minute charge, which may or may not have been fraudulent. We know that it was not serious because, I mean, it may or may not have been true, but we know that it was purely political. Because you know similar charges and allegations have made been, been made against Joe Biden, and where have they gone? Um, so uh, it was Democrats Harry Reid, who was the Senate Majority Leader, who broke um, the use of the filibuster on uh, judicial appointees, except for the Supreme Court, um, in twenty thirteen, by saying that uh, executive branch nominations. And judicial nominations, except for the Supreme Court, could be determined by a 51 or by a simple majority in the Senate. So, the, again, the Democrats uh, started filibustering nominees. And so when the Republicans became a minority, what they do? They started filibustering. They started, you know, tit for tat. And what happened? So the Democrats didn't like that. And so what they do? No filibuster. Uh, for judicial nominees except the Supreme Court. And Republicans said, yeah, okay. And so what happened? Trump brings in, first thing he has, of course, is a replacement for Garland or for uh, Scalia. And we'll get to Garland in a second. But um, it was N- Neil Gorsuch and what happened? Um, you know, you get the filibuster. They vote uh, to change the rule to allow for 50, for a simple majority uh, to invoke cloture. They did. And Gorsuch was on the Supreme Court. By the way, you'll notice that, that uh, even though Gorsuch is counted amongst conservatives, he's more of a libertarian. And he's going to have more, he's not going to be the the solid conservative because he's not a conservative, uh, that people think he is. But a lot of issues, I think, that you're going to find that he's always going to fall on the side of the Constitution and real civil rights, not the make-believe civil rights that Democrats have. So, Kavanaugh, so let's just go ahead. and um, So here we are now in 2020. Of course, I've mentioned previously that the big difference now is, is that The party that is president is, you know, the majority party that in the Senate also is the president's party. And so the president has constitutional responsibility to nominate a replacement. And he has said he'll be doing that probably Friday or Saturday. The Senate has responsibility of advisor consent. Now, the Senate can do... Exactly what McConnell did in 2016 and that's within their authority and there's nothing wrong with what they did in 2016 That is within the majority leaders authority To determine what moves through the Senate You can like it or not But that's how it is and when you have a majority leader is opposing party to the president you can pretty well guarantee that no presidential nominee for especially to the Supreme Court is going to be uh, granted a hearing during an election year now what you will not hear is the risk you won't hear this in the media but here's the risk that McConnell is taking By not giving Garland a hearing. He was betting on something that few people thought could actually happen. I was one of them, by the way. Uh, was the Trump victory. Had um, Hillary Clinton won... I guarantee you that that night, the night of the election, Obama would have withdrawn Merrick Garland's name. In my opinion, and that's all it is, is just opinion, Merrick Garland was never intended to be considered for the Supreme Court. Um, He was never intended to be given a hearing because of... President Obama knew that that would not happen. He would he's too moderate of a justice for the likes of Obama or Clinton. And had Hillary Clinton won, my opinion would be that the first thing that Barack Obama would have done election night for McConnell could say, let's confirm Merrick Garland is that Merrick Garland we are withdrawing the nomination. Very likely that that is what would have happened. Again, that's my opinion, but if you think about it, it makes sense. And if you also think about it, think about this. Think about, again, the risk that Senator McConnell took by not having those confirmation hearings and an up or down vote. It was a huge risk. I mean, this time it's not that really big of a deal because the worst-case scenario happens well, the worst case has a lot more ramifications than this particular seat on the Supreme Court, and we'll talk about that on another podcast. But the worst case scenario is that that, uh, the Senate, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't decide to approve whoever the President Trump nominates. Uh, Biden gets to nominate a progressive to replace Ruth Ginsburg, and so you're replacing a progressive with a progressive. I mean that's the worst case scenario here for that particular seat. Now, uh, a couple other things uh, that I meant wanted to mention: um, healthcare. Uh, one of the people, somebody, had mentioned to me about healthcare, and because I mentioned the Gaff. About President Biden or Vice President Biden and his uh, desire or his statement regarding 200 million people that were going to die die while he was giving his little speech uh, from COVID, and he said, "Well, I'm a lot more worried about the 6 million people that will die because they're going to lose their guaranteed health care." I mean, I've been through healthcare so many times, it just kind of makes me sick, pun intended. Um, but the bottom line is this you know, I, I mean, I went on, on the website, the, the uh, healthcare.gov website, and for me to get healthcare, which I'm fortunate in my retirement that I have healthcare from my employer. Um, but had if I had to go to healthcare.gov, the healthcare plan that I could afford. Would have been a thousand. Well, I really couldn't afford it, but a thousand dollars a month because I wouldn't qualify for subsidies. Thousand dollars a month. I'd have a thirteen thousand dollar deductible, which means I have to pay out of pocket costs up into up until I hit that thirteen thousand dollars. I mean, if I went to the hospital. That wouldn't take very long. But, you know, going to the doctor, I'm going to be paying full price at the doctor until I hit that number. That's not health care. I mean, I have to pay, essentially, I have to pay $26,000 a year. Well, yeah, $25,000 a year. Um, just so I can have this health insurance, which is required by law. And that was for bronze plan. Um, required to have that, cover pre-existing conditions. And that was the issue that was brought up was, well, pre-existing conditions. Here's where Democrats have shot themselves on that one. There's a case in the Supreme Court that they're going to be hearing this fall regarding um, the Affordable Care Act. And if you remember back in 2012, uh, John Roberts, uh, siding with the liberal majority, uh, wrote the opinion that because the individual mandate was tax, as argued by the federal government, Congress has the right to tax, the law was constitutional. And while many conservatives screamed and howled. Then the situation has changed because the individual mandate's been removed as part of the uh, the Jobs and Tax Cut Act of 2017. Theoretically, you never know with Roberts anymore, but theoretically, all things being how they were. Obamacare, or Affordable Care Act, falls. Now, I don't want to say anything, but you know, President Trump has been arguing for the need for the Democrats to pass legislation for pre-existing conditions since he took office. He asked Republicans when they held the House that any health care bill that they put forward had something for uh, pre-existing conditions. Everyone knows that the Supreme Court is considering this issue. And yet nobody, the president's taken action by executive order, but whether or not that's something that can actually stand up remains to be seen. But there's no legislation to back it up. There's no no funding for the president's executive order. And funding is going to be necessary, if nothing else, to subsidize insurance companies providing that support for uh, pre-existing conditions. By the way, that was John McCain's plan, was that pre-existing, there would be a pool. All insurance companies would pay into it, and the federal government would subsidize that pool so so that when you did your actuarial tables for your premiums, Um, any pre-existing conditions such as cancer or diabetes or any other kind of disease or costly thing that's going to jack the scales up those can be tossed into the federal pool and they would not have an impact on insurance rates across the country that was John McCain's plan, that sure looks good now Um, especially in light of everything that's happened um President Trump has tried, and he has signed an executive order about pre-existing conditions. So don't let any of the ads fool you about that, uh, because he wants to do it. And, and the bottom line is this. Congress has not done its job. And I said Congress. I didn't say the House. The Democrats in the House. I didn't say the Republicans in the Senate. I said Congress. Congress hasn't worked together on anything. And and frankly, a lot of the stuff, you know, I mean, one, the House is passing a lot of stuff that is Mickey Mouse that is ridiculous and has no business being legislation, which what do you expect from a dingbat bartender? Um, You know, oh, let's destroy every building and rebuild them. Yeah, good call. Or we're not going to have any airplanes flying. Yeah, good call. Um, I know I'm exaggerating, so just deal with it. But really, voting at 16, you think people have to be 21 to buy a gun. Don't you understand a vote is far more dangerous than a gun? Oh, boy. Um, you know, our system isn't perfect, of course. It's had a lot of flaws in it. We've paid a heavy price for it. Um, It's a work in progress. The ideal, I think, is perfect. But we've lost sight of that ideal as a nation. We've been intentionally turned away from it. We talk about worship and religious freedom, and of course there is plenty of religious freedom if you happen to worship at the altar of abortion, um, which is what the Supreme Court battle is all about. The Republican National Committee has an ad out uh, with what all the Democrats said back in 2016. I'll say again, president has constitutional obligation to nominate. Senate has the constitutional obligation, constitutional obligation for and consent. Now, if the Senate doesn't believe based on, for example, previous choices, and I will admit I heard this on the radio today listening to Rush Limbaugh. It wasn't Rush. It was somebody, I think, that called in. Uh, but Rush could easily have said it. And he may have actually said it. But he's absolutely right. Now, if Senator McConnell thinks that he doesn't really care, doesn't think that uh, Sotomayor or Kagan are competent jurists that are sitting on the Supreme Court now, he could say, huh, I don't think that President Obama has the ability to pick a competent judge. And so I'm just not going let him, to let him go. And he is certainly within his constitutional ability to do that. And any other time, if I guarantee you, if the situation was reversed, and we're gonna to get to that, yeah, here in about 30 seconds or less. I guarantee you that that Diane Feinstein, if she was this chairman of the Judiciary Committee, would be saying the exact same thing, which brings us to where we are. Democrats are promising riots. Democrats are promising, really, essentially war regarding this pick. They're already outside uh, McConnell's home uh, protesting. They're already outside of Lindsey Graham's home. They're making death threats. Making a death threat to a public official is a federal offense. And that needs to be prosecuted. Because when we're living in an era where people just walk up to a Deputy's vehicle and fire shots into it when they're just sitting there. You have to take them seriously. When somebody sends an envelope to the White House that has ricin in it, you have to take a death threat seriously. You know what else they've promised? They promised to pack the court, except they—they pr- they were promising to pack the court anyway, which is why I don't understand McConnell in some ways. You know, you know, it—he might as well pass it because it doesn't matter whether he, whether they pass do a confirmation or not. Because I guarantee you that if Biden wins, even if they don't do a confirmation hearing, Lisa Murkowski. Susan Collins, by the way, you're on the losing side on this. The American people, even though polls have been rigged to say that the American people say that you should wait. The American people are very much against the Democrats on, on a lot of things right now. Cory Gardner chose that if there's a nomination and there's confirmation comes up to a vote, he'll, he'll vote. On it. He didn't say he'd vote for or against, but he said he would vote. And that should be a vote. And of course, we're waiting on Romney. Can't believe that I supported that guy in 2012. Um, but they have full intention of packing the court. Even let's say that Senate Republicans roll over and they don't do a confirmation vote. I guarantee you that if, if Joe Biden gets in... And the Democrats take the Senate. That the first thing that will happen after after Harris is sworn in as president is that she will nominate several judges to make sure of a liberal majority on the Supreme Court. Because even right now, let's say that they replace Ginsburg with a liberal, you still nominally speaking have a five-four moderate to conservative against liberal. And they're going to want to make sure to bury that. And so it doesn't matter whether they replace Ginsburg or not. They're going to add seats to the court. Little Chucky Schumer has promised that. Meanwhile, how's that defunding the police working? For some reason in Minneapolis, they were surprised that they say defund the police. They defunded the police. And for some reason, all this crime is up. Anyway, more another time. I'm actually running right up against my bumper, so it's a Snake River Lib. We won't talk about taxation right now because it's all Monopoly money anyway. So, until later.